Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. You want to save your marriage, but your spouse is making it very clear that he or she wants out. As a matter of fact, maybe they've already filed for divorce. Maybe you guys are separated, living in different places. Maybe if not divorce, your spouse has filed for legal separation or maybe has done neither of those things, may even be still living in the same house with you, but saying, nope, it's over, we're done. But you want the marriage to work. What do you do? They don't want it, you do. Hi. I'm Dr. Joe Beam with MH International. This is Kimberly Holmes, who is our CEO, the one who leads us. And Kimberly, uh, what can we say right at the outset? Because all of these people are asking basically the same question. Because my spouse doesn't want this to work, is there hope? And what's the short answer to that? Yes. This is Relationship Radio, an extension of Marriage Helper International. Please follow and subscribe to this podcast. Hosted by renowned marriage and relationship expert, Dr. Joe Beam, and the CEO of Marriage Helper, Kimberly Holmes. We answer your questions directly with research-based principles that you can implement immediately. Regardless of the situation, what we teach will not only make your relationships better, but will also help you to become the best version of yourself along the way. If you have a relationship question, follow the link in the description to see which topic is up for discussion this week. Turn up the volume and prepare to take notes as we begin this week's episode of Relationship Radio. There is still hope. There is absolutely hope. There is always hope. You know, we tell people that all the time and sometimes they don't believe. Mm-hmm. But we've had many people, and and uh, forgive me if this sounds like I'm talking about something you're not interested in at the moment, but so many people have come to our three-day intensive workshop. And you might be thinking, don't even mention that my spouse won't come. We get it. But so many people that have come through that, where one spouse said, there's no way on earth we're going to make it. And yet through the years, more than 70% of those people have worked their problems out and stayed married, which makes us very happy when you consider 80 to 90% of the people who walk in the door. <laughs> At least one spouse is saying, Mm-mm, no way, I'm out of here. That kind of stuff. And we're going to look at a few questions here, listen to a few questions, I should say, where people are asking about this and answer them and hopefully help you see that there is always hope. Kimberly, you may remember, when do I say I finally give up on helping a marriage? Do you recall? There are three reasons that you would give up on a marriage. Either the one one or both people have remarried. The second one is if they're, they have died, passed away. Yeah, I give up then. <laughs> Pretty much a lost cause. <laughs> or the third is if a if one of the spouses is involved in a destructive behavior that they are unwilling to stop. Yeah, I don't know how to help put a marriage back that like that back together without putting somebody in danger, and and we don't want to put anybody in danger. Now, if that person were to stop, mm-hmm. we would say, yeah, there's still a possibility. And and I think I heard you read a report the other day in one of our meetings that somebody who had been divorced six years. 
Yes. They're now coming to our workshop to see if they can put the things back together. Yes. They just, they and their spouse just started dating again and said, let's see, let's go back through this workshop and see if we can fix this. Six yeah, they were divorced. Yeah. <laughs> they were one of the couples that came to the workshop and it didn't help them save their marriage. They went up divorced instead. But now six years later are saying, well, now that we think this might make it, you know, they were teaching some pretty good stuff. Let's go back to that <laughs> and see what can help us do today. And and we love all kinds of positive stories. Now, we won't guarantee you that you can salvage your marriage because there are two people involved here. One is your spouse and he or she gets to make decisions. But we're telling you that the odds are extremely good that it can be done if you can meet certain criteria. I don't mean by that if you can find the magic beans that you can plant and climb up to the heavens and find the golden goose. We don't mean that. But certain things that if you do definitely increase the likelihood. But Kimberly, we have several calls about this. Let's go ahead and take the first one where a person's asking us about if there is any hope or not. My wife filed for divorce. Um, she committed adultery. And she's trying to figure out it seems that she can't forgive herself and she doesn't want to work on the marriage. And I've watched your videos and everything, and I'm not sure what to do about my marriage. And I don't want to lose my marriage. I'm trying to do everything possible, but I just need help. This gentleman is asking a question that we hear so many times, Joe, saying, what do I do when they want out? They're not engaging in this. How can I move forward in, in saving the marriage? And I hear this a lot from people when I'm on podcasts or just talking to people who don't necessarily are, are involved in what we do. And they say, but you can't do it alone. It has to take two people in order to save the marriage. That's the thought that's out there. And what I typically say when people ask me that, as I'm sure you do as well, initially it only takes one person to begin to do things differently, to hopefully change the trajectory of where the marriage is going. But here's where I think all of our listeners, if they're listening to this, this show, this title of this episode, then they need to hear this. What you need to realize is you're going to have to begin this work alone. Mm -hmm. You're going to need to begin, just understand you're going to have to do some things and it's going to feel like a lonely journey for a period of time, but we have an end goal of getting your spouse to come back around. But at first you need to do some things alone. Mm -hmm. Right. But you can, and the influence you can have there. One time, Kimberly, I was on the Today Show, NBC's Today Show, and it was a commercial just before our interview was to start. And they had placed me next to a, a psychotherapist, I think she called herself, who had her own television program. And so while we were talking, you know, waiting for the commercial to end, uh, the interviewer said, you know, it, it, can you save a marriage if both people aren't involved? And the psychotherapist spoke up immediately and said, no, it has to be both. And I said, well, we have years and years and years of experience where we've worked with one spouse, and then that led to the resolution of the marriage, which angered the psychotherapist. She looked at me and said, well, you're better than I am. Yes, <laughs> so, I know. That's what you should have said. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> I, I have an ego, but I'm not an <laughs> egotistical. I just said, we understand a system that works. 
So this guy, a couple of quick things about your specific question. You said she committed adultery. Uh, so we understand that you probably are a religious person because that tends to be used in religious circles. Use that word adultery rather than affair. And you said she can't forgive herself. There's a couple of things about that. One is that might literally be the case where that she's dealing with so much guilt. She's thinking, how can you love me? How can you forgive me? Well, if that's the case, there's still things that can be done to help her. Of course, there's another possibility, which is that she's saying that as a way to get you to leave her alone. Well, you can never love me again. Now, only you can decide whether she's being sincere with that statement or insincere. And even then, you've got to guess based on your knowledge of her. But either way, we're telling you the fact that she right now, even if it's a deep, sincere guilt feeling, here I can't forgive myself. I don't know how you could forgive me. Don't let that panic you. It's just one of the obstacles of many obstacles that exist out there. But he said, Kimberly, what can I do? Well, as we go to the rest of these calls, listen carefully, because we'll be talking about several things that you can do. But let's get to another caller as we go through this. It has been over four years since my wife left. My question is, we're still married, but legally separated. Is it too late to save our marriage? She has her own house now. We have our own separate lives. She tells me she never wants to be with me again. My question is, is there any way to create traction to start over? Okay, Kimberly, let's talk about this for a minute. She's been gone four years. We've already talked about that. That doesn't cause us to panic. I understand the pain it causes you. And and, and don't let us sound as if we're disparaging that. We, we know that hurts. And the fact that you, after four years, still want her back? indicates that you love her very deeply. And so our hearts are with you on that. We're just trying to say that based on the experience we've had with thousands and thousands of couples, four years apart does not necessarily mean you can't come back together. But notice what he said, Kimberly. He said, what can I do to gain traction? So you think about that. He's saying, what can I do that can influence her to possibly turn this thing around? What's the first thing you would suggest to him? The best thing that he can do to gain traction is to focus on his attraction. You see what I did there? That's good. Oh, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's true. We know that there's a process to falling in love. We've actually coined that term at Maritel, where you have with your years of research. We call it the love path. And the first step of the love path is attraction. And that isn't just true the first time you meet. It's something that continues to be true every morning that you wake up and you're in a relationship with a person. You choose to do the things that will be attractive, first of all, for you to feel attractive and be the most attractive you can be, but secondly, to continue to attract your spouse towards you. And so he's saying, my wife has a separate house and all of those things are separate, but they do still have some communication. They're still talking. One of the best ways that he can begin to attract her back to him is by focusing on these. We, we have four areas, these four areas of attraction becoming the best that he can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Because as you say, t- people typically want to leave a relationship if there's something pulling them away, or if there's something pushing them away, but they're not going to come back to the relationship that they were in unless they believe it is better than what they're currently experiencing. So he has to become that better in her eyes. And the best way he can do that is by working on his pies. You know, pies, as Kimberly just pointed out, is those referred to physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual. 
if you want to say it a different way, body, mind, heart, and soul. But we prefer pies because that spells something. <laughs> so we use that. As a matter of fact, uh, Kimberly, you do some kind of a podcast about the pies regularly, do you not? I do. I have a weekly podcast. It's called It Starts With Attraction because so many things in our life start with us feeling the most attractive that we can be. So you all can find it, our listeners, anywhere you're listening to this podcast or if you're watching on YouTube, you can go in and find it there. But every week I have I have a new episode all about the pies. And then from there, you can join our email list where I'm sending out tips and things each week for you to focus on you. And so it talks about if you say, how do I gain traction? That's where you start. You start with you. Now, don't do it thinking, well, it's based on how she reacts to this that determines whether I'll keep doing it or not. As Kimberly's already implied, if you do that, you'll stop doing it because she may not on any given day or even a given month react the way you want her to. You do it for you so that you can have confidence that you have become and are becoming the best you that you can possibly be. And that's where it starts. You want to start gaining traction? It's there. Now, is that enough? No, it's not. There are more things instead. If you ever, for example, want to look on our website, Marriage Helper, that's Marriage Helper, marriagehelper.com. Look for a thing called Save My Marriage. It's a 12 sessions online course that explain a lot about the pushes and pulls that Kimberly mentioned. It talks about the pies, the physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, and goes into much, much more depth about what you can do to gain traction. But so far, we'll just make that one point. You start working on you to become the best that you can be physically at your age and situation in life. We're not talking about plastic surgery or trying to be 21 again, unless you're 21. Physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. Those are all important. You can find out about it right on our YouTube channel. And by the way, if you go to youtube.com slash marriage helper, all one word, please do subscribe there because the more subscribers we have, uh, the more visibility we have to help more people. So step one is work on yourself when it comes to the past. Now there's more, but let's talk about some of those as we go to another call. My husband and I have been separated for 15 months. Divorce mediation was seven months ago. I signed the settlement papers over a month ago and emailed them to him. He hasn't brought them up at all, and I don't know if he signed and filed. Should I ask him? He also told me he recently started attending church two weeks ago. Now, that leads us to another thing that we talk about on the love path. You see, taking care of yourself physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually are crucial. And as I'll say again, please go check out Kimberly's podcast. They'll help you considerably there. But the next step of the love path has to do with acceptance, being able to accept a person where he or she is. Now, that can be difficult to do, especially when they don't act, think, feel or believe the way that you want them to. But basically, here's the question I heard there, Kimberly. Okay, he sent these things to me. I signed them. I sent them back. I don't know what happened after that. Should I ask about them? When it comes to that acceptance part, what you want to be is a safe place. Now, that means, as far as I'm concerned, you don't initiate tough conversations that don't need to be initiated right now. So, for example, uh, you say that uh, you find out he started going to church again. Might that mean that he's having a change of heart? Sure, that's a possibility. Does Does not necessarily mean that, but it's certainly a possibility of that. The fact that you haven't heard from a judge, an attorney, somebody sending you something likely indicates either it's in the legal system, but it's so far behind, or, or once he got it back from you, he didn't go to the next step. 
And of course, there's no way to know which way. And I know, I know, it's got to be frustrating. I'm living in limbo. I don't know if he's proceeding or if he stopped. I don't know if he's changing or if he's gone forever. I don't know. And I get that. And that's got to be a miserable place to live. But what do you gain if you ask him about it? You see, the conversations you want to have with a person when you're trying to put a relationship back together is, well, it's very similar to when you put a a relationship together the first time. Mm -hmm. Talk about things where the other person doesn't feel pressured and doesn't feel that he or she might be rejected. Mm -hmm. It's the thing we talk about, about taking bricks off the wall, that another person will trust you with a piece of information, and then they're going to wait to see if you use it against them or not. They may throw it back at them in anger or call them a name or some negative reaction on your part. Well, if you ask him about this and he's not ready to discuss it right now, you may force him. Force is the wrong word. You may motivate him to take an action that he's not ready to take otherwise. And so my suggestion would be in learning how to be that safe place. When you have conversations, listen, try to understand mentally picture yourself getting up and walking around and sitting on his side of the table, that you're not adversarial, that you're you know, in his side, you care about what he thinks and what he feels. And so my recommendation, if you can handle living in limbo for a while to find out what's happening, my recommendation would be, no, be the safe place, which is the second part of the love path. Be the safe place and and let things progress slowly. And if he does talk to you, listen, don't challenge, don't question, don't push. Well, I'll take part of that back. You can ask questions as long as they come across as sincere questions. But if they sound like you're setting them up or pushing him into a corner, those things are bad. What do you think, Kimberly? I agree. Another point I that I would think of is you don't want there to be a negative connotation with every time you interact with him. So if you're bringing up, when are you going to file or are you going to file? Is that really what you want him thinking about in that moment? No, you want him thinking about, man, I love talking to her. She's listening. We're becoming friends again. You want him to paint that picture of what things can be with the way that you're interacting with him and not how things work. Because that's what he will think about if you're asking about if the papers have been filed. So focus more on rebuilding that that future and by doing the things that that Joe just said being the safe place talking listening not having the ulterior motive but really focusing on building positive conversations yeah the love path actually has four phases and we're talking about the first two the first being the the attraction which is the first a in the love path which moves people closer together and that comes under the pies and then the second is acceptance which moves people to care and so that's what you want to be developing here now realize we're just touching the hem of the garment we're just giving you so much information because we don't have time to explain it in great detail that's why if you look on our website for the save my marriage course there are 12 sessions there each one at least a half hour 12 sessions there where you can get into it in much more depth and later you know, Kimberly will tell you even more about that. But hopefully understand, we're still talking about there is hope, but we're talking about the way that you carry this forward is based on how you act. Mm-hmm. Because what you do is what can influence the other person, even when they're saying it's completely over. Kimberly, how many times? <laughs> I've been doing this for 26 years at the point of this recording. You haven't, you're not you know, old enough to have been doing this 26 years. But in the years you've been involved, which have been quite a few, you've been our CEO now. This is our sixth year you've been our CEO. How many times have we seen that person who said, there's no way on earth 
changed their mind and now they're happily married again. Oh, hundreds, thousands. Yes. So it can be done. We can't guarantee it, but it can. Okay, let's see what the next question is. Me and my wife, we've been having our ups and downs for 18 years throughout the marriage. Yes, I have done some things. But recently, my wife said she wanted a divorce. She left on a travel nurse job <clears throat> November 18th. I started working on myself. and. She came back home and she seen the changes, but she had to go back on the road. She came home January the 4th. She was here for a whole month. And we have we've been having fun for the whole month and a half. Uh, every interaction was a positive interaction. She still sleeps with me in the same bed, naked. But she wants me to cuddle with her. We're not having sex. And she says she's impressed by my changes. She's intrigued by my changes. I'm the man that she always wanted me to be. But it's too late. I feel like she's attracted to me. But now she took another job out of town for three months. And I don't know what to do. Because I was pulling her back in. But now she's gone again. And I just want to know, can this be saved? It definitely sounds like there have been a lot of really positive things going. I mean, listening to the majority of that call, I'm thinking, what's his question? Things are going right. And then he got to the point where he said, but she says it's too late. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, Joe, but for me, I thought, hmm, all of her actions are saying otherwise. So it sounds like she may be battling more of a decision in her mind. And that's really the issue here. Yeah, it sounds that way to me. I recall many years ago having a conversation with a woman. She was very emotional. And I asked her a question. Now, what's my body language? What's my head? She actually went this. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so she was nodding her head and saying, yeah. yeah. Yes, no answer. And then I asked her another question right behind that one, which was another yes, no. And she did it. No. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, okay, you don't have to be Freudian to understand that the body language is in contradiction mm -hmm. to what she's saying. So he says, we had fun for that month. He actually used the word fun, if I heard him correctly. Yeah. He said, she sleeps in the bed with me naked, although we're not having sex, we're cuddling, which, by the way, does produce oxytocin, which is a bonding chemical. Now, she went away working. When she came back, she came back. You lived together for a month. Now she's gone away again. Does the fact that she's gone for three months, uh, is that great? No, no. We wish she were there with you because it's a whole lot easier and better. But when she came back last time, even though she told you, mm -mm, no way, can't work, she spent a month with you sleeping naked in the same bed with you and cuddling you. Those are pretty good signs, even if she's going, no, okay, even if she's doing that, those are really, really good signs. So hopefully when she comes back, she'll do it again. Mm -hmm. Be careful now. You said you were pulling her back. We understand that your behavior was drawing her back, not that you were forcing her back because that always backfires. So be careful now that you don't panic a little bit. And while she's gone, you start trying to control, manipulate, because that can be the worst thing you can do. Yeah. Now, if you'll have contact with you when you're gone, great. 
And in this day and time, you can actually do it where you can see each other. You can FaceTime if you have the Apple products. You can do Zoom if you have a computer access, but you can actually have some conversations. If she's willing to do that, I wouldn't push for it more than she wants. I wouldn't do it to the point she gets aggravated. I'd be very careful of me, very sensitive to watch what's going on here, but communicate with her. And you use the word fun. Keep it fun. Have those light conversations, et cetera, so that if she wants to talk seriously, sure, you can do that. Be willing to listen, to really understand and to care. But if you can maintain contact with her when she comes back, it sounds to me like she may well do what she did last time and she's back. I admire your patience. You have slept in the same bed naked with a woman that you love and you didn't have sex because you didn't want to. Here's what that tells me about you. Number one, you really love her. Number two, you have the patience to do this the way it needs to be done, the self-discipline. So keep that up. That's what you keep doing, those kinds of things. Anything to add to that, Kimberly? He, as you said, is doing doing all the right things. And so at this point, I don't I don't want to just repeat everything you said, but at this point, the his fear probably is going to be, so do I do more to get her to make a decision quicker? And our encouragement is just keep doing what you're doing. You are doing the right things. At this point, it is her who gets to make that decision. And our spouses have free will, whether we like it or not. You can do all the right things. She stay. She may still choose to leave. Hopefully that's not going to happen, but you're doing the right thing. So just keep doing right. those right things. And sometimes when people do those things, they think are pulls toward them. They do to the level where it actually becomes pushes away from them. Mm-hmm. So be careful that you don't let that happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've got another caller here, Kimberly. Let's hear it. Dr. Joe Beam and Kimberly Holmes will be back in just a moment to answer more of your questions. You won't want to miss it. I wanted to let you know that if your spouse has disengaged, wants out, or has asked for a divorce, and you're trying to get them back, we have a free mini course for you. This course teaches you what to do, what not to do, and gives you a roadmap for what to do next in order to get your spouse to open up and want to work on your marriage. If anything works, this will. Follow the link on the screen or in the description to get access to the free mini course today. My spouse is in the military and has told me that when he gets back from deployment, he wants to file for divorce. I have been in school the last six years. And even though I graduated, it's really hard right now to find a job in the career that I chose. Not to mention we have to sell our house because his orders are in another state. I told him that I wasn't okay with getting divorced right now because it doesn't benefit me. And so I would be going with him. He tried to talk me out of it. I told him I would file for alimony. So he said, fine, when we get there, then we're going to divorce. So should I be planning on being divorced or should I be planning on keeping my marriage because I need to think about me and my son versus my husband's needs at this point. Okay, Kimberly, you know that I have difficulty hearing, so I couldn't hear everything she said. Did I understand the lady to say that the husband said, this is what's going to happen? She said, no, I'm going to do that instead. And he said, well, if that's the case, then I'm going to divorce you. 
Is that what I heard or did I misunderstand? So I was going to ask you to clarify too. I believe what she said was he said he's going to divorce her or file for separation or something first. And she said, no, I'm going to your next duty station with you. And he said, fine. But once we get there, I'm divorcing you. That's an interesting thing. That probably has more to do with the judicial judicial system in the military and, and having to do that on a base. But um, so basically she's saying, so what should I do? Should I plan on going with him and us divorcing or plan on going with him and try to do something to save our marriage? Because he said he's going to divorce me when we get there. Yeah, now this is tough. Because the fact that we don't know him, and even if we knew him, we would have to be asking him questions because we're not mind readers, and I'm sure you're not either, even if you think you may be. Mm. But I often ask people to think in terms of these three questions. Okay, if I do this, whatever this might be, if I do this, what do I expect to accomplish? The second question is, uh, what's the likelihood that that is what I will accomplish? And then the third question is, what's the likelihood that something very different is going to be accomplished instead? And so in this particular case, we ask yourself the question, okay, what if I go with him and hope then that he's not going to divorce me? So I'll go with him. And what I hope to accomplish is if the kids and I are there, he won't divorce us. Mm -hmm. Then the second question is, okay, you know him better than we. I mean, he still makes his own decisions. And so it's still somewhat of a guess on your part. But what do you think are the odds? That if you go with him, then he won't do the divorce. If you think those odds are really good, then maybe you go with him. You know, we're here with him and he's not going to strand us here. If you think the odds are pretty bad, in other words, the third question, what are the odds the other thing will happen? Oh, we get there and then he divorces me while we're there. Well, will you have the support system you need? Will you have the money to get to where you need to go? Or do you plan to keep living there? Those are the kind of questions we recommend that people ask themselves. Okay, what am I trying to accomplish if I do blank? What are the odds, good, bad, or indifferent, that it's going to happen that way? And what are the odds it's going to happen the other way? And when I say what are the odds, obviously, I don't mean like you come up with a specific 10 to 1, 20 to 1. But but as best you can figure, good, bad, or indifferent. And then you make a decision like that. Mm-hmm. Did I confuse that or is that making sense? The other thing I, I think we should consider is at the beginning, she said he's on deployment right now. So it seems like something has happened. I mean, we don't know the situation. We don't know him. But is it that something happened on deployment? Either he met someone or he's experienced something that has just completely shifted his way of thinking. So there's another part to add into that consideration, which is, does she think that if she can be there for him, if she can, I mean, did they have a good relationship before to Mm -hmm. where if she can just be a listening ear, be that safe place for him, work on her pies, that it will attract him back to her. I think that's another part that she needs to consider. That's a good point. That's a very, very good point. And so as you ask those three questions, put that definitely in there as something that you think that through about. Okay. And then there's one last thing she said at the end. Basically, if I heard the question correctly, she's saying, should I be doing whatever I need to do to protect me and my son? Yep. Is that correct? Yep. My suggestion would always be make sure that you protect yourself and your children. Now, I don't mean by that to the point where you just write off the other spouse immediately because we are pro-marriage. We want to help people salvage their marriages if at all possible. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, don't be foolish. 
And, and because you have a son and he will have certain needs that you need to have money to take care of. You'll need to have a support system around you to help take care of all those kinds of things. Then thinking in terms of, should I make sure that I've got that covered just in case I couldn't speak against that because I'd be saying, mm, it's always important that you take care of yourself and of your children. That's always crucial, not to the exclusion of your spouse, but it's got to be one of the factors that you think about. We talk a lot in our workshops about talk, thinking, you know, 10 weeks ahead, 10 months ahead, 10 years ahead, and as much as you possibly can. And, and that also involves in having to do with your child here, right? It does. Yes. And this won't apply to everyone, but especially for her, since she's a military wife, there are certain ways that she can be protected anyway, um, just based on the fact that her husband's a service member. So that may be something she wants to look into just to make sure she's taken care of. It actually gives her an extra level of protection, which is I, which I think is really nice. Um, but then again, it means that she would have to reach out to um, like a, his commanding officer, which she may not want to do because that's going to end up making it worse. But if, you know, push comes to shove, then at least there are resources to make sure her and her son are protected. Yeah. Kimberly understands this. Kimberly's husband, Rob, was a captain in the United States Army. Mm-hmm. And so they've been deployed around the world doing various things. And she's familiar with this. So yeah, it's another part of that question. What do I hope to accomplish by this? What are the odds? That's what I'm going to get. What are the odds? It's going to be something I don't want to get. Even about talking to the commanding officer, right? Mm-hmm. But, yes. but even if she did that at the last minute, suppose she deploys and then he decides to file for divorce, then she could go to the commanding officer. I mean, it ha- she hasn't lost her chance, right? Right. If they, if they move to the next base together, yes. And then he files for divorce. Um, and absolutely. I mean, if... If he were to try and withhold finances from her or not or neglect her or her son, especially if they're at that base with that next commanding officer, she has that as an appeal to make sure that he at least stays in line. Of course, the that could it will make it will probably make him mad. But at that point, what do you have to lose? And it's the same thing with um, the fact that in the military, adultery is against the law. And that's. If there's another woman. If, we- if, yes. So just in general, but people who are going through this, one of the questions they come to when it's their spouse in the military, who's having an affair with another military member is do I tell? Because it would be, it would definitely make him angry, but it's also going to separate the two of them from being able to see each other. So it's again, going back to that question, what's, what is your outcome? And is it really going to get you to where you want to go? We recommend, and of course, it's always your decision, always your decision, but we recommend sometimes you'll do something the other person's going to see as a push. Like I've got to take care of myself and my child. We got to, we have to have enough money to survive where my child's not living in poverty level where that he has what he needs for school. And we have food in our stomachs and a roof over our head and clothes on our backs, those kinds of things that if your spouse sees that as a push, we see that as an essential push. You've got to do it anyway. It's the right thing to do. And therefore, don't feel badly if a spouse reacts negatively to that because it's something you should do. But telling uh, your spouse's boss if he or she is sleeping with somebody else at the work, that's when you need to stop and ask yourself that question. Okay, what do I think I'm going to accomplish and what's the likelihood that's going to happen? And and be careful in that, that you never do any of that for vengeance, because when you do things for vengeance, Mm -hmm. it winds up hurting you. 
Right. Now, we realize a lot of people listening are not in the military, but the same kind of principle applies. Even not exactly the same as with the military, but sometimes you need to take care of yourself. Kimberly, I think we have one more question here. I'm going through an unwanted divorce, and it's kind of a complicated situation. Um, my husband has PTSD uh, from serving um, as well as TBI. So it's hard um, because it really did seem to come out of nowhere. Um, and because of his um, issues that he has, it, it definitely makes it a very complicated um, situation. Um, my children and I are moving out uh, next weekend and um, I'm trying to do everything that I can to save my marriage. Um, we'll be married 17 years um, in May and he filed for divorce on December 29th and just any recommendations um, would be very much appreciated. Thank you. My heart breaks for the people that call us, Kimberly. We get calls nearly every day from all over the planet and people talking about all their pain and it just breaks. And this woman breaks my heart again. There's something really important I want to say to what she just asked that I think is crucial for everybody to understand. But just before we give that answer, Kimberly, tell them if, if they want to work on themselves, we have a thing called Save My Marriage, which is an online course. And uh, how can they get that? And then we'll answer this question. You can go to our website and look under our courses. You can find our Save My Marriage course. But the reason that we developed it is because we saw the extreme need of people just like this woman who are saying, I know that you all have this great workshop with an amazing success rate, but I can't get my spouse to go there. What can I do for me now? Is there just no hope? And we said, we've got to do something for these people. So we took all of the things that we have seen work that people can do to get their spouse back. And we put it into a course so that people can go through it at their own pace but we didn't leave it at that. We also added in weekly group support calls so that people could get answers to their specific situation and specific questions on a weekly basis. And that's hosted by one of our marriage helper coaches each week, as well as a community group as well. That is a private community of other people who are going th through the same thing as you. So you have the teaching, you have the guidance, and you have the community. And now that we have a brand new Save My Marriage course for all of the people who join and become members, they also get access to our legacy Save My Marriage course as well. So it's two for the price of one, plus all of those goodies that we have with the support calls and the private community group, because we really care about you getting the resources you need, but not just resources to understand what has happened and what do you need to do specifically moving forward to give your marriage the best chance at being saved. And that's everything that we have done inside the Save My Marriage course, which over 5,000 people have gone through at this point. And there has been amazing benefits that every single one of them has received from it. Very good. Thank you. And they get that by going to marriagehelper.com, you said? Yeah. They'll also see in the show notes the link to be able to join the Save My Marriage course as well. Excellent. Okay. Now, first, I want to mention just a little bit about this guy having PTSD, but then we want to get to something that's really important. I want to make sure that everybody listening understands that she, that she asked about that 
that's really crucial to get. Okay. But first, let's talk about the PTSD a little bit. She said from serving, I assume that means in the military. And then I think she said TBI, which is law enforcement. He found. No, no, no. She said, and he has TBI, which is traumatic brain injury. Oh, I thought she meant Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. So I assume that meant he was also in law enforcement. But if he has brain injury, okay, that makes it more difficult. Mm-hmm. Understand that when people are dealing with things like PTSD or things not quite as strong as that, but things such as depression, etc., it makes everything more difficult. Now, again, I'm going to get to the other thing applying to everybody in a minute. But in a situation like this, we would suggest that you use whatever influence you have. And if there are other people in your husband's life that have influence over him, you can actually get them involved to to get them to try to get him to the right kind of help. Now, maybe he's already seeking the right kind of help. If so, that's really good. But PTSD doesn't just fix itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, traumatic brain injury obviously doesn't just fix itself. Mm-hmm. And and therefore, getting to the right kind of physicians, the right you know, psychiatrists, if that's what's needed, not because you're crazy, but because they really understand this part of the body more or, or therapy, whatever it might be. And and while it's not exactly the same thing, if you go to our website, marriagehelper.com, and you type in the word intervention, it'll actually lead you to a page where you can download a, a 35 or so page long document that tells you how to do an intervention. Now, it's not exactly the same thing here, but it gives you an idea of how can we encourage and how can I involve other people encouraging my spouse to get the help he or she needs for PTSD, depression, anxiety disorder, whatever they might have, because that's crucial. Now, let me go to the thing that's applicable to everybody. Kimberly, did you hear her say that she and her children are moving out? Yes. It was right after or before she said, and I want to do anything I can to save my marriage. (laughs) And that's the thing I want to speak to. We typically recommend that you do not. Now, if his PTSD and if his traumatic brain injury, if that's what you talked about, if that makes it unsafe for you or your children, by all means, move out. Mm -hmm. But when people ask us, they ask a lot, you know, what do you think? Should we separate? Should we move out? Our recommendations are as follows. Now, you do what you think is best for you. We will not tell you what to do. But you see, when you're not in the same place anymore, you move out someplace else, then actually a lot of the stress is reduced immediately. You say, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? In one sense, but it's a bad thing in another sense. Because when that stress is reduced immediately, it can reduce the motivation on either you or him or both of you to do the work it's going to take to be able to put this marriage back together. In other words, a sigh of relief. And because of that sigh of relief, things get a little bit easier. Why would I want to go back into that? Why would I want to try to fix that? So we recommend that you don't separate unless somebody's in danger. Now, if somebody's in danger, absolutely. Uh, don't stay there if you or your children or your whoever is endangered. That's bad. So, yes, that's, that's when separation is required. But otherwise, our recommendation would be as tough as it is to work it out in the house. It's a whole lot tougher to work it out if you're someplace else. Now, mm-hmm. there's a second part of that. She said that she and the children would be moving out. Mm-hmm. How did you react to the fact that it's not him moving out? It's her moving out. What did you think when you heard that? Well, the first thought was why? That's interesting, right? Is he kicking them out? Is is it because she's choosing to leave? What has happened that that's the situation? But it is it is interesting. Or where are they going? Is it that she's going to a parent's house and she feels like there's going to be more 
help there. There's something, there's something to that. Yeah. If you want the marriage to make it, then we're recommending if you can possibly stay in the house, if, if that's safe, we recommend that. And if there's going to be a separation, the question becomes, if, if the house is something you're purchasing together and you move out and leave it with him, I would recommend very strongly that you see an attorney before you do that and ask your attorney what he or she thinks about that. Because in various states, even in various cities, there can be different laws that regulate this. And, and because of the fact that you have children, now you said you've been married 17 years, which leads me to believe that in all likelihood, the children are less than 17. They may be older, but I'm guessing they're less than 17 since you've been married 17 years. Then these children need a good, stable place to live. They, they If it's at all possible to be able to stay in the same schools, to, mm-hmm. to keep the same friends, to have as much stability as they can possibly have. Now, if your mom lives three houses down and you're going down there, maybe the kids can keep those things. Definitely, if you're not safe, you've got to get them to where they'll be safe no matter what that takes. But rather than you leaving the house, I would strongly recommend that you talk to an attorney and if there's going to be a separation, then maybe it's better that he moves out and you and the kids get to live in your own home. Now, we don't know the other details. That may be impossible for some reason we don't understand. Maybe it's his mom's house you're living in or something like that. But I hope all of you hear these general principles. Number one, don't separate. We recommend that you don't separate unless somebody's in danger. It's harder to make the marriage work if you do. Secondly, if you're going to separate, really think through the legal ramifications of who stays at home and the effect it has on the children if you have children. Mm -hmm. Before we end, we need to take our takeaways. What are the key takeaways from today's episode. The first one that I have. Yeah, that's your job, not mine. So you go ahead. Okay. Well, the first key takeaway that I have from today's episode is that if you want to attract your spouse back to you and make your marriage work, number one, realize that you're going to do it alone at first, but that shouldn't be so overwhelming to discourage you. It's just what it is. And it actually allows you to begin doing things now. You don't have to wait to get them on board or to agree to do something with you first. You can begin making changes now. And the first thing you can begin to change is by working on your attraction, your physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual attraction. It's the best thing you can do for you. And it's the best thing that if anything works to attract your spouse back to you, then it will work. And of course you can go head over to my podcast to hear more about how to implement each of those things on a weekly, daily basis in your life. The second key takeaway that we have is right after that first step of the love path, which is attraction. The next step comes to acceptance. And this is the next thing that you can begin to do right now, no matter what situation your marriage is in, is to accept your spouse for who they are and where they are, even if you don't agree with what they are doing, because those are two different things. Mm -hmm. Side note, Joe and I did a podcast about that on my podcast. It starts with attraction episode 44, when we talked about what is love and the difference between loving someone, but not necessarily always agreeing with or condoning what they're doing. So you can be sure to go and listen to that as well. But acceptance starts with you being a safe place. So as they begin to open up or as you talk when those opportunities become available, be a safe place. Mm. 
bottom line. And the third key takeaway from today's episode is that the best way to make your marriage work is by being together. So we recommend that you not separate unless someone is in physical danger or emotional danger, then we recommend that you stay together and really think through the consequences and the long-term effects even not just with separation, but just everything you do, but especially when separation comes into play. Mm -hmm. And don't forget to put the kids into that as you do. Remember those three questions. If I do this, what am I trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. How likely is it I'm going to accomplish that? Or how likely is it that something else is going to happen altogether? Okay. Kimberly, great summary. Uh, You've got quite a brain in there. Just kept up with all that without writing anything down. I'm quite impressed. Thank you for being part of Relationship Radio. We look forward to talking to you every week on here. You can find our previous episodes right here on YouTube as well, right? Any place else that can find them? Wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a podcast and a YouTube show. So wherever you're listening or watching, be sure that you subscribe and leave a review. If you're on a podcast app, be sure you leave a review. If you're watching on YouTube, then leave a comment. We love to hear from you and the questions that you have about Relationship Radio. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Relationship Radio. Please refer to the notes in the description to learn more about any resources mentioned in this episode. If you have a question you want to ask Dr. Bean and Kimberly Holmes, follow the link to see which topic is currently up for discussion. Please visit our website at marriagehelper.com for more information about our online courses, marriage workshops, and coaching. We exist to help save marriages and strengthen families. We look forward to interacting with you on the next episode of Relationship Radio.